Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to Castle of Horror, the show dedicated to horror movies and awesomeness. This week, we continue our Stephen King retrospective with a look at the 1987 film A Return to Salem's Lot, directed by Larry Cohen. What a film. Bear in mind that if you haven't seen today's movie, we're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have seen A Return to Salem's Lot. So warning, spoilers ahead from Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Jason Henderson, editor of the Castle of Horror anthology Holiday Horrors, which is available right now and the upcoming Young Cat Nemo quest for the Nautilus with me from Austin is Tony Salagio, tech director at Rooster Teeth, lead singer and bassist of the band Desert to Mars, and lead guitarist to the band Rise from Fire, Salo Tony. Howdy. Howdy. And also in Austin, writer of the long-running underground comic series Halloween Man, winner of the 2018 Best of Austin Award, nominee in 2019 from the Austin Chronicle, Mr. Drew Edwards, say hello. I, I think I may have to make you shorten that. That is a mouthful. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize a claim could 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 cause such, such you know, ver- verbosity. I mean, you so know. I, 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 we may have okay. to come up with a we'll way to shorten this. I mean, I like the acclaim. <laughs> I like the acclaim. I, you know, like, I just... We'll, we'll, we'll hash this your out, years but... as a nominee, you know, but we'll we'll just do it like that. And I think uh, in the future, next time, next time, next time, yeah, next time. No, 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 totally. All <laughs> right, and also in Denver, as always, color commentary from Attorney Julia Guzman of Guzman Immigration of Denver. Say hello, Julia. Hello, Julia. And listen, since Jason, you made us watch this movie. You're going to get to go first this time because right. I want to hear why you made us watch this movie. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually think it's really easy to explain, but uh, <clears throat> here's the deal. Okay, A Return to Salem's Lot is a 1987 American horror film co-written and directed by Larry Cohen and starring Michael Moriarty, Andrew Dugan, and Samuel Fuller, who plays a cigar-chomping Nazi hunter. Uh, it is a sequel, you know, so it says, to the classic 1979 <laughs> miniseries Salem's Lot. 
we we normally if you if you've never listened to this show before this is by the way our uh 282nd movie review good lord so if you've if you've never listened to this show before at this point i usually turn to everybody and i say give me your opening thoughts give me you know two to three minutes or less of just opening thoughts to spring out and then we'll go into a conversation. And what Julia is suggesting is something that I don't think we have ever done in our uh, in our history of the previous 281 episodes, which is that I would give an opening thought first. Um, sometimes I don't even give one. Sometimes I just go straight into the topics. And I still talk more than anybody else on the show, uh, largely because of my weird compulsive need to fill dead air. But... <laughs> uh all right uh, opening thoughts we'll start with jason uh why why did we watch a return to salem's lot um this is my opening thoughts we watched it because i wanted to be completist because we're doing a lot of stephen king stuff we watched the salem's lot miniseries so long ago now that i really think someday when we've covered everything else we need to redo that one because i haven't thought about it in a long time we watched the 2004 uh version of salem's lot with rob lowe which, which we had, you know, had a lot of good thoughts, a lot of disturbing stuff. This is another movie called Salem's Lot. It exists, and, and somebody paid money to Stephen King to adapt it. And so here we are to reckon with it. Somebody might come across this movie and go, should I watch this movie? And, you know, we can go a little ways towards answering that question. Uh, I, I don't understand how the you know people when we posted that we did the 2004 miniseries people said things like oh that was like the worst thing ever i can't believe how bad that that movie was and stuff and, and i'm telling you it was competently made the reason that people like julia drew tony and me can listen to people go oh that was terrible and just sort of quietly shake our heads is because we have seen things like a return to salem's lot <laughs> which which at times appears to be like, I, 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 I can't under, it, there's, this is a movie where, where a, a bunch of really competent people have made a film with sort of almost no pacing whatsoever, a kind of lackadaisical attitude towards editing so that like you, you're in a scene, you don't know how you got here. Um, you know, it, it has no structure that's recognizable from like how movies are made so that major characters are being introduced like, you know, 80 minutes into its, you know, an hour and 40 minute runtime. So I, uh, I, you know, uh, I made you guys watch Embrace of the Vampire. That was a good movie compared to this. Film. <laughs> However, definitely, this was like my second time seeing it. So, so there we go. This, uh, those, those are my opening thoughts. That's still uh, my fa- my all time favorite moment of our whole podcast is Tony completely losing his shit about Embrace the Vampire. <laughs> 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 the funniest thing I've ever heard. The fact that Jason had never seen it. That's the, <laughs> the lobby. So, and for years, that's the, what it is. Is the culmination for years. Jason and oh, it covers the Embrace the Vampire. I'm like, man, I guess you just really like the '80sness of it. I can see that we've known each other a long time i get it and then for him to admit like oh no i've never seen this (laughs) yep good lord yep yep yep. uh this film i had seen seen this i've seen this yes clarify which might be (laughs) makes it worse but but it's a complete if it makes you feel any better i've seen this movie six times are you wow. serious? Well, I was yeah. going to have you do the first opening thought. So so I said a lot of stuff, and I feel I went long, and I apologize. But, yeah. Drew, let's get your fo- opening thoughts, and then Julia, and then Tony. 
um, Drew six times. So six so, times. So talk to me about why this movie is attractive to you because I can kind of get it. It is. It is not. I actually don't like it very much, but. <laughs> I like the director. I like Larry Cohen, who who unfortunately passed passed away earlier this year. He's mm-hmm. made a lot of movies that I do like. Uh, he made Q. He yep. made uh, It's Alive, The Stuff, which I think is a great movie. Oh, that's a good um, movie. Yeah. We should cover I, I think this is one of his weaker movies, to say the least. I think it has very little to do this, with Stephen King. It does have a lot of Larry Cohen in it for for better or for worse. Um, I wish I liked this movie better. And um, there's a few things in it that I do think are funny. It's got a few funny lines, particularly the the vampire judge uh, going on about how how much the vampires have prospered and and not taking a penny from the government. Yeah. So you know, it's it's got some it's got some funny funny dialogue. But overall, this is a very a, a, a sloppily made movie by a director that I actually really enjoy overall mm. um and i i guess the reason why i've rewatched it so many times is i've 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 actually been trying to i try to reconcile those feelings actually uh he died around the time where i had my surgery earlier this year and so <laughs> i did like a, a larry cohen marathon and this was one of the movies i watched i actually have seen this movie twice this year um, so I guess I do have a high tolerance for it, even though I will be the first to tell you, um, overall, not very good. And especially the child actors are horrendous, um, to say the <laughs> least. Um, Michael, Michael Moriarty, who is normally kind of reliable, uh, seems like he's on Valium in this movie. We probably um, needed to take Valium to get through the movie. No, the only, the only people who seem to be having fun with this movie is the guy playing the Nazi hunter and the guy playing the judge. Those two guys, I, I, I give them a pass. They're, they're very watchable. In fact, if the entire movie was just the two of them playing checkers, I would watch that movie. This movie, this might be the last time I watch it, even though I somehow <laughs> managed to watch it six times. So oh my God. that's my op- that's my opening thoughts. And uh, I am sorry, Julia. By the way, when when when, when I saw, I I just want to apologize <laughs> on behalf of of everybody else in the podcast. I appreciate that. This- <laughs> Apology accepted. Um, yeah, Julia, it's your turn. Go go ahead. Okay, well, so. I, I mean, I don't even know if we've adequately described what this film is, but give no, us, give us I, your I mean, I'm gonna thoughts. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you how I explained it to my daughter, because I was like, okay, Sophia, you have to understand what I've just witnessed. <laughs> I'm like, this movie starts out for some reason in a in a country, I believe it's in Central America, possibly Africa, who knows, some kind of country with primitive people who kill each other for sacrifice of some kind, and this guy michael moriarty's character um is like basically a documentarian filming this the sacrifice and seeming perfectly fine with filming them sacrificing another person he's cool with it whatever so you're like okay so this is gonna be some kind of movie about this oh no no that has nothing to do with the movie i don't know why it's there so then he gets a call from his ex-wife saying he needs to or his ex-wife's husband saying he needs to come and deal with his something with his child so he thinks it's an emergency he flies to wherever they are new york or someplace and 
no, the child is fine. He's just a pain in the ass and they want to get rid of him. So they say, you take him. He's pissing us off. <laughs> so right. now, and the kid's super obnoxious and snotty. So he's going to take this kid, but he's not going to take him home, wherever home may be. He's going to take him to a house that his aunt has left him in Salem's lot. Otherwise, it was Jerusalem's lot. Um, and they're going to go. He's going to make the kid do some, you know, some work on the house uh, and they're going to fix it up. Well, pretty quickly, they find out the town is filled with vampires vampires but they're not gonna leave they're gonna go ahead and stick around and fix up the house anyway and they're not really concerned that they're gonna get turned into vampires because the vampires want him to write a book about them uh-huh. and so we're gonna have this adventure in this town where the kid oh and the father couldn't care less about his kid that's quite clear like he'd rather sleep with his high school girlfriend or whatever she was than um, who's a vampire then worry about what his kid's doing who is also sleeping with vampire girl i think i don't know they don't make that exactly aye, clear, aye. but it seems and so we just kind of follow these people around figuring out whether they're gonna ever ever leave then a nazi hunter shows up so that's a thing that happens so anyway and it's like the craziest movie and it's so but it, it sounds more interesting the way i'm telling it than it actually is it's actually quite dull but it goes on forever um but i just i really didn't like it that's all <laughs> wow okay fair uh i mean tony uh, can you can you shed some light i mean your opening thoughts i mean you know, I, I don't even know what you would add to that. You know, we'll we'll dive into this afterwards. But uh, but where would what well, what would you say? Oh, I've seen things pe- you people wouldn't believe: pregnant <laughs> vampire wives who don't seem to be vampires, <laughs> terrible children actors, horrible thralls, a plot that makes no sense, and all of this, all of these moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain, and us covering this podcast. <laughs> right this is i want to like this movie because there are some really interesting bits in it like they do things that are actually interesting and could be cool i also like i'm with drew i like some of those directors other movies i think the stuff is fantastic i don't understand it's it feels it feels cheap in a way that isn't quite because of the budget Mm. i don't know like there are decent actors in it, but it's so head scratchingly just doesn't, uh, none of the choices people make seem to make any sense. Yeah. And it's just full of kind of stuff thrown in. Um, It's not completely awful. Like the last transformers movie that came the uh, last Michael Bay transformers movie, which had me constantly wondering, but why all these choices? <laughs> but I did watch this and go, well, you had this, so you have a cool Nazi hunter band, you know, who decides to hunt vampires. He's tough as nails. Um, You've got an interesting thing where the vampires kind of capture them, but hardly any of the choices start to make sense. And they don't even, they, they go through the vampire tropes, but they're just so inconsistent with that even. Or, you know, you have a thing where you have all these thralls, the sheriff and, you know, the, the, the people who matter, who need to keep things in order and help them are, uh, enthralls or they call them drones and that would be interesting too that you know hey you've got these drones going out and doing stuff and how do you deal with that and can you take them out they but they even missed the the point later on where you could have a cool firefight and all the stuff going on they don't even oh it's just so baffling yeah it's so baffling that you take so many neat any like any three of those ideas you could do something cool with and yet it we have what we have so all right. Uh, I I, th- I think. And thank you. I, I would would we agree that there are some really interesting ideas here that 
I, 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 and that feels so like pedantic for me to go. There's really interesting ideas here that don't seem to come to fruition because you know what? I don't make movies, so I'm not saying that if I were to make a movie, I would know exactly how to handle some of these problems. But it's it's really odd because um, to to start with. Uh, we'll skip over Michael Moriarty for a second. The concept of this movie is, uh, you know, Larry Cohen somehow gets a deal with somebody to do a movie that bears the brand name of Salem's Lot. So he's like, good. So what's Salem's Lot about? Salem's Lot was about a writer who goes to a small town and the small town gets taken over by vampires, all more or less coincidentally. I mean, he goes there and it's just, a, just so happens to be the same time that vampires are taking over. And Cohen takes from that, you know, I dig this idea about a small town, but I'm going to have it be a small town that's been vampires since <clears throat> the Mayflower. Like, in other words, they in other words, it's a whole midnight town. And this is an idea that's been covered in a lot of other movies where there's a whole vampire community with the drone thing like you were talking about, Tony. And, um, it, you know, I all of that's cool. But the thing is... I, I want to say that Cohen is interested in being an anthropologist here for an imaginary people that don't exist. And because of that, he doesn't actually make this movie all that disturbing or particularly scary. The things that are disturbing when we watch it are not the things that Larry Cohen seems to think we will be disturbed by. In fact, I don't even, you know, in other words, for a horror movie, it's not all that scary. You know, we we start out, the first vampire attack that happens is a bunch of, you know, kids who are waylaid by some vampires after a corrupt cop who protects the vampires of the small town. He pulls them over and then they get attacked by vampires. The scene is not scary at all. I mean, it's not scary. It feels really kind of rather perfunctory. You know, it's it's not particularly gross. It's not a gross-out thing. It's it's not it's not stylish in any way. It just uh, happens. You know, the people with get the, with the shorthand of punks. Look at these punks. Yes, so uh, punk in a oh god, a yes, Quincy episode kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that about the Quincy episode. It's one of my favorite it's just, episodes. Oh man, like. <laughs> talk about shorthand and it's just it's funny that later on man i i i it's gonna bug me because again i think everybody knows i hate just bagging on things but yeah. when you watch i'm gonna go with it just being people direct not being directed or no one i don't know if no one cared but you yeah. can have good actors that are directed poorly and i'm gonna go with that because you have good actors in this yeah but it's funny to me that later on they have this community theater play thing that they're doing when half of the uh vampire action feels like that with people yes. remoting yeah. and and just you know the the judge actually in the you know, his kind of barking, see what you've maybe done, made me do the whole time kind yeah. of thing is is actually kind of interesting. But everybody's just, it feels like they're kind of left to their own devices. Like, I don't know, I guess you're the old lady and I, be creepy. I guess you guys know acting, go do, do acting. Do acting. Yeah. I have a theory about all of this. Please. And I think it is they had to use Stephen King's name yeah. to push this movie and to get it distributed and everything. But I don't think Larry Cohen, I think you're right. I think Larry Cohen was interested in this idea of what if a cultural anthropologist was doing a, a dictated history of vampires. But um, because it had to be a Salem's Lot movie, you had to hit certain notes Oh, like, 
um, here's a small town in Maine. You had to have certain Stephen King tropes, even though because it's Larry Cohen and Larry Cohen has a very distinct, um, you know, he uh, he's an art tour director, even though he sure. works in, in B, B, <clears throat> B horror movies most of the time, but he has his particular things that he's interested in. And that sort of stuff seems to be butting heads with the Stephen King stuff, because I don't think Larry Cohen was particularly interested in the Stephen King stuff. I mean, this isn't really, even the sequels, the, the Salem's Lot, the Stephen King actually wrote yeah. this contradicts that and it even contradicts the 19 the 1970s Salem's Lot it has yeah it's fair to say it's a different to Salem's Lot it's basically yeah. another Salem's Lot also so, overtaken by vampires so do you think that this feels like studio meddling I don't think it's studio meddling per se I think it's that he knew he had to have certain things to uh, sell it as a Stephen King movie he just happened to be bored with that stuff he well, was more, he, more if he, interested if he was bored with it then he told his actors to be super bored with it <laughs> No, I agree. Like if every it's as if he was bored with it, yeah. and they were like, "Fine, just you don't care, I don't care." And so they just I, I think that so many. Been, I think that might have been it. Like I think you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that like the the judge is the liveliest character in this movie. <laughs> yes is because he's the one that's espousing all this like, oh, we are a, a noble lost race and here's the history of our species. Yes. And I feel like that's actually the stuff that Cohen is interested in. It seems and... to be the stuff where they most come alive and it's the stuff where the comedy, such as it is, is most free and uh, and and easy. You know, it, like all that stuff where, where Michael Moriarty is an anthropologist who has... Bun, who has blundered into this town where they want to talk to him and here's the deal they are vampires well so they live a long time they do have slaves and that's unfortunate they would say but they live on cows basically you know and uh you know they don't kill people much uh except for sometimes you know and, and for special and occasions special occasions they'll go kill people but their rules are all over the place Yes. But the but what's interesting is you have that. Yeah. But again, because I, I guess I can only assume the boredom thing, you could do something where they promised his ego, like they kind of sort of try to make it like, oh, well, it's his ego that's keeping him there. Yeah. Uh, because he he's the only person trusted to chronicle this. But well, they the, quickly the abandon that. Like he's there. just like, well, I guess I'm here. He's not driven. Well, he does try. Okay, so he does try to escape, and he's stopped by the drones. Well, that's but, true. Yeah, but still. But I, will, I, I want to point out, before we get too far ahead, the logic of even bringing him here is pretty flimsy because he has this aunt that really was a family friend yeah. who happens to be a fucking vampire. So we're supposed to believe that his mom or his dad was just chummy enough with this vampire that yeah. they would let him go live with her for a while yes flimsy, flimsy. <laughs> oh no well, and, but... and we should talk about michael Moriarty. this is as good a time as any to talk about because we really must reckon with michael moriarty this is an unusual actor right i love this actor on law and order he was so fabulous his line readings on law and order were were so you, often quite odd and wonderful you know he he always seemed to be following a direction that was completely like known only to him but 
but he was it was it was an example of an actor matched with a with a role where he was wonderful i mean you know he was on that show for a number of years and and i could just watch any episode with ben stone as as the da and um but he also made these larry cohen horror movies he was in q he was in uh uh, uh what what is it called it's alive and um and he's in this i don't know what is deal with larry cohen is you know maybe they're friends maybe maybe this is he's just a reliable guy but here probably owes him something like at some point he (laughs) saved his life and so now he's 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 larry cohen's he's larry cohen's robert de niro (laughs) yes i mean i guess so they they liked working with each other there's no more there's no more mystery to it than that sure his is (laughs) he's like michael ripper of the uh in hammer Yes. So Michael Moriarty here looking kind of young and lean and dressed like Doc Savage, you know, with his like his utility jacket and, you know, the whole sort of photojournalist thing. And we, we set him up early on as completely mm-hmm. cynical. And it's it's that same thing that, that we noticed. In, remember in Blood Beach where we were like the people who wrote this script? have seen scripts about people who are amoral and, and tough. And so all the lines are just like about how amoral and tough he is. And it's tiresome. I mean, nobody seems to, it, it's all, it's all just sort of going through the motions of, of, you know, we're insulting one another and I'm a cynic and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> um, and then we saddle him with a kid, which is probably actually one of the bright spots all the whole movie because he winds up with his with his teenage son who is a pain in the ass but this brings some life to the film because cool. you have now the you know the father and the son sort of smart mouthing one another uh and and that's actually kind of cool his son drives and is uh Even though he's curses, only curses all the time he, yeah you know yeah and i'm down with that you know he's he's well, there's not even smart there's ass. not even that the thing where you you sort of expect like, well, there could be some growth if he learns how, like, you know what? It is really in the face of danger. I'm going to become a real dad. Yeah. And instead he's like, Hey son, man, remember that, uh, that <laughs> shit I was talking about daddy had to do his business. Not only like, oh, oh, wait, by, the way, by the way, son, did you also get laid? I'm curious. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it's, yes. It's just, all of it is like, so you have a, like, there's ways this could go. Yeah. And, Again, it's kind of bad to speculate. Well, this I could have made this blah 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 in retrospect because I didn't <laughs> have any hand in it. So that that's kind of BS. But still, there's meat on that. Yeah. But in at each point where you think, oh, okay, well, this is something I can latch on. I can see how this relationship goes. It goes in a different way. It never. I guess you could give it points for being baffling, a mystery yeah. in the way directions it goes. But all of it goes in a just kind of blah way like it's yeah. not scary but it's also okay i guess that's happening now instead of oh well look here's here's what a dad you know maybe he's not as amoral maybe now it's time to become a father and protect his son or learn it no one learns much about themselves at all no throughout no, you, the you're course exactly right and it may you know of course this is doesn't it's a this kind of movie doesn't have to be a deep uh meaningful soul-searching movie but if it's not going to be that it should at least be scary if it's a horror movie or something other than what it is and it's just so weird again because there's so many bits where you can see like that's that's again why i get passionately disappointed in something because you know there's there's this kernel there there's this these 
bits that the nazi hunter who you know weasels the way in oh no i have this friend his friend is the guy's hunting yes. fantastic you know all of that kind of and the the vampires you know wanting to to teach the world or, or future vampires about themselves and here's a here's a person who's just amoral enough to hear us out and we can hold him but he's neither held he's not held under thrall like uh um harker yeah but he <clears throat> Even little, though he tries to leave, he's girl. just yeah. But it's in general, he's he just kind of eventually just soporifically goes from place to place. And yeah, I, until yeah, until the, the, to, the leading to action with were, uh, the Nazi Nazi hunter comes in. Something you were saying for just a second there, and I, I wanted to to key in on this. You're exactly right. You know that they, they he meets the son, and that's some funny business. But then. Right. The story goes nowhere that you would think it would go. And and if you're, I'm Larry Cohen, and we were having this conversation a couple of years ago when Cohen was alive, and you hear and goes, well, you know, it's my business to defy expectations. And so maybe that's the excuse. But you're right. Nothing that happens with that relationship after the funny business of the dialogue has anything to do with the way any normal human being would ever behave. That's what's crazy here is, yeah. is that nobody i mean these guys these guys are fish, fishes out of water coming into a weird town so all that all those guys are going to be be weird you know the uh the you know it's because it's a different culture but but our our heroes aren't acting normally the most normal person is the nazi hunter who actually right. kind of completely he uh, you know but but to talk about him for a moment, the Nazi hunter is played by Samuel Fuller, who is a director uh, in his own right. I don't know why he took this job, but I'm glad he did. He, he, but oh, he comes great. in, he's short, kind of kind of uh, wiry and tough and smokes a cigar and shoots a gun. And he's full of quick wit. He's constantly. And he's distorted. instantly the best character in the entire movie. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> But he comes in like in the latter half of the film. It's the weirdest thing. It's the it's the craziest. Like, why are we still introducing people here? You know, we should have. If met there him. was an entire movie about this character, I would like. He is hell yes, so yeah. entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and what is he? He's he's a Nazi hunter who finds himself in a vampire. He was looking for Nazis and he found not vampires. a Nazi hunter. He's a Nazi killer. Because when he yes. finds them, oh yeah, that's what's oh his he gets the best lines though too. Yeah, this is see I think they must have had a pretty decent relationship. It and in the direction there, he gets to just chew it up. Yes, in a, in a different in a totally different way than the the uh, judge does. But he's he just takes no shit, and it's weird too because at the point where he starts, I'm gonna show I'm gonna show this kid what a real dad father figure should be and he starts like smacking around and stuff which isn't usually what so oh my god that. yeah i forgot so about that yes that's where he's you know let me show you how what the real world is son is his yes. whole thing but yeah i love it i'm not a nazi hunter i'm a nazi killer well the, the, got there's a another moment of weird <laughs> nazi hunter nazi killer uh holocaust survivor stuff in the moment like in other words whether it lands or not, we can we can see what Cohen is doing in the few moments when something like really lands. And like, there's a point where uh, our heroes are holed up in a church so that they can kill time until it's a good time to go kill the vampires. And the vampires know it, so they have waylaid a bus full of innocent people, and they have brought the all the people next to the church so that uh, they're going to slaughter them unless unless our heroes 
give themselves up. And the guy goes, no, make him watch. And it's, it, it has everything to do with, with Nazism and confronting evil and all that stuff. Well, but it's in the middle of this bullshit yeah. movie. Yeah, What's interesting ahead, to me is that this movie mm-hmm. decides it's going to be basically, you know, team America. Like it's going to be like America. Fuck. Yeah. Because the whole, the, the movie is pretty much an on the nose metaphor of these guys are, anti-americans and we're americans and so and so anti-america is bad and at first i assumed it was because it's the 80s that it was cold war it was like okay the vampires are communists but then this nazi hunter shows up and or nazi killer shows up now and so i'm like well so are they nazis or are they because they kind of have republican i think the vampires are republicans interesting (laughs) are you serious about that you think that's the uh the line we didn't take a penny from the government and this is in the middle of the Reagan eighties. Yeah. And Larry, <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. if you look at the stuff, which is another Larry Cohen movie from this time period, it's really like taking just head on uh, commercialism for eighties commercialism and eighties greed. And I think that these vampires are Ronald. I, I, I don't think this is America, you know, America. Fuck. Yeah. I think this is two Americas. You have, you know, the old, you know, like, like, like a, a, Older, tougher, maybe more diverse uh, America represented by this this old Jewish man. And then you have this sort of white bread, um, milk toast, uh, Norman Rockwell, but with fangs idea right. of America represented by the vampires. So like Larry Cohen, for his faults, like this movie didn't come together as well as it should have, but there, he's yeah. trying to do something here. <clears throat> I think you're onto something because when you, when you say it that way, when you go, these are this is Norman Rockwell with fangs. Then it begin you begin to see the uh, where that meshes with Stephen King's image of the small town with a with a seething poisonous underbelly. Um, you know, so that stuff makes sense. Uh, it's you know, I, I I look. We watched Dracula. 3D was that what it was called with oh, Argento yeah. and remember Ooh, that's Argento, worse than that's worse than this by the way oh my least I think that is I think that is worse than this I think so oh um, oh no and but 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 that's not my point my point is it shouldn't have been that bad Dario Argento sometimes does great and sometimes did very poorly and I can't explain what causes the difference you know it's but we, you know that movie was so bad that we actually were on this this show and we were going what is going on like why why did this happen how how did how is it that no two scenes match up you know why do the cuts just come sort of randomly and i think what it is is even a good director can find himself completely flummoxed by maybe a million things go wrong. Maybe the script never completely comes together with all the subplots that you want. And maybe your actors aren't as good as you like, so you have to make a thousand cuts because they can never get through a complete speech, you know? And and maybe you run out of money, and so you can't film some, uh, you know, some scenes that would connect, you know, the connecting tissue that you're just missing. You know, who knows? Um, it's possible that he just rolled a complete, you know, just snake eyes. And, and, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, but we saw it with Argento and I think here we're seeing it with, with Cohen um, because it's, it just seems like it, one poor choice after another. Um, 
But we well, should talk about the poor choice. The poor choices to me, the stuff like, okay, you know, it's it's got some Z grade acting. That's whatever. I watch a lot of horror movies. I watch a lot of movies with bad acting in them. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I feel like the more head scratchy stuff to me is like the stuff that I mentioned about the ants, the ants yes. earlier. And then like the creepy, and I mean really creepy thing with the guy's vampire girlfriend that now he is a man probably in his 40s, I'm assuming. And she's like, oh, I stayed a 17-year-old and girl. she's like 17. Well, that's that's how, you, how you, yeah. I think Very he's in his 30s, but... But it's still the same. That doesn't make it better. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it, it, it it really doesn't. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm just saying he doesn't. He doesn't look forty to me. But but the uh, but Tara Reed. Uh, this is Tara Reed, right? As the as the teenager. No, um, that is. That, I don't think that's no, Tara. No, no. That no no. Tara Reed is like that's the Tara Reed. She's the the little little oh. girl. Oh, the child. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. All right, I apologize. So anyway, um, yeah, this teenager, I don't know. Yeah, that's gross. It, but I but mean, what's it's just as gross, gross as he thinks is... It's only gross because she's physically like 17, but she's actually mentally as old as he is. So really, is it, I, I don't sure know. I'm kind of on the, on, the, on the line on this one. So be careful how you do that, because there's a whole host of kind of weird anime where... People go, yeah, but she's an old vampire. She's 500. It's okay. She's 13. Yeah. So I don't know. She's I'm not still... 13. She's like, an, a, she's actually like probably 18 or uh, the, the actress is for sure at least 18. So it's not, oh. she's not a child. She yeah, is but... a, like a young adult. And so I, I don't know. I'm kind of on the, on the fence on that one. I just think that she I don't know. I think it's part of the whole, you know, seducing him into the. Fold. But what's weird is that. Sure, that okay, it's just let's creepy. say we're yeah. Yeah. let's say we're going to play with how gross yeah. that is. The movie doesn't bother. In other words, the movie could have. Maybe the problem is there's an embarrassment of riches here, because the movie could have taken a good long time for him to be uh, uncomfortable and seduced by a girl who appears to be too young for him, but is mentally not. And it's gross and it's difficult and blah 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 blah. All right, you know, like a like a like a lifetime movie. But they don't do any of that. None of that. In fact, it just they just introduce it and then it's kind of already and told. Yeah, and she's and like, she's hey, I got a baby. Man. How about that? Yeah, By the well, way, you yeah. just stopped at embarrassment. You didn't have to keep going with riches. <laughs> <laughs> this is another reason, though, the, the the fact that she's pregnant and this is where the drones come from. Um, like, this is another reason why I don't think Cohen was ultimately that interested in Stephen King because, like, the vampire mythology that Cohen creates in this movie is its own thing like yes. he's he's creating his own version of vampires that has n almost nothing to do with what what we we know of the way vampires are in Stephen King book. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They're a, they're a weird alternate race that lives on blood and uh can get old or not get old. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's a completely completely different thing. The vampires um, are the ones who sucked all of the life out of the actors. <laughs> it was done before each they're energy, setup. They're energy vampires. Yeah, yeah, it was done before each setup every day, right before the cameras were rolling, and they did their jobs well. Everybody must be just, it's possible that, uh, you know, that they're just all super tired because they're filming in the middle of the night. I, I, I really, I really don't know, but there's no energy here at all. That's, that's absolutely true. Uh, let me think. 
Okay. Yes, you introduced that. That's uh, thank you, Drew, for explaining to me that he that a human gets a vampire pregnant, and that's where they get their human slaves. I did not get until you just said that that this baby's going to be a drone. Maybe that was a line, and I just missed. There it. There is literally a line that says okay. that. Okay, I believe you. I so believe you and yet i completely screwed up i mean uh, yeah. i i uh you know i have seen this movie quite a few times Six for some times. reason <laughs> yeah. yeah uh the, the the nazi hunter thing like i say is it's very possible that that the part got bigger i really don't know there's no excuse for introducing this greater character so late in the film because it completely it just it we uh, uh, this is me being a structuralist right and and i know that that we're supposed to applaud movies that are experimental but this is not cohen being experimental and saying i'm fooling you i'm messing with your mind by introducing major characters towards the end that's not it at all i have no explanation at all except for this one it's very possible that by the time cohen was done with production he had a big jumble of crap that he had to then edit into a feature-length film. And somehow with what he wound up with, Fuller shows up way, way late. And, and you know, it's possible that he could have cut other stuff. Everything. He could have cut everything up until that point. <laughs> I think we could have cut the Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff. I don't every, think we need... That's what I'm saying. We could have cut could have cut the whole opening scene, the whole second scene, because the mom doesn't even show up again. It's not like it's not like we needed to introduce the mom so she could come save the kid. She never shows up again. Could have cut the whole first two locations and just had him be like, Hey, guess what? My aunt or whatever, my fake aunt left us a house. Let's go see it. And that's all. Like why not? Why bother with all that crap? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, or you could have it so that he, you know, he comes back and the the mom goes, "Hey, your kid ran away. He's at your aunt's house that we heard about. Yep. He sent out a PI and he's there. Go get him." And that yep. would have been fine too. Something yeah. like that. But instead, they have to like, well, so it's a road trip movie, but not really. But then I... I, it's it's just baffling. Yeah. Yeah. I feel terrible ripping on this movie like this. I, I yeah, uh, that I enjoy, but it's just so. But again, the reason I think why when I see a movie that has so many bits, especially from a director who I enjoy, that's what makes it worse. If it's just a movie where you're like, this is truly, I don't enjoy watching this movie at all. <clears throat> that's one thing. But when it just when it has parts that are you can almost latch onto and they fall each time that's where you feel almost betrayed yeah <laughs> I mean, they, you know it ends up they 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 do uh almost like some of the the i guess like phantasm three where they're going from place to place yes um but what's crazy is i don't know what it's hard to describe but even in the part where they are going at night, by the way, yeah. from place to place, torching, uh, you know, torching these coffins. It doesn't yes. ever feel like the danger of, let's say, like 30 days of night. No. In fact, it goes pretty you know damn smoothly you... until one of them gets injured. And and, and that I was like, yeah, this is going curiously well where they but just are. Yeah, it's terrifying. Well, you know, in, in 30 days of night vampire. when they're out at night. Sorry. You know, it's one one thing. They're interchangeable. You, we can kill Nazis. You can kill vampires. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't kill them and, you know, with, I mean, the guns, he knows 
don't kill a vampire, but does stop them, and it's an inconvenient for the vampire. Yes, uh, they get him with a bear. They, they get Samuel Fuller with a bear trap, and that slows him down pretty good. And that's actually a really good bit of business, you know. Does with it their... though? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was okay with that. He's, that, that was... he's, he's, still, still, able to, he's he... still able to still like this. This old man appears to be made out of titanium. He's still a bus by the end of the movie. True. No, he, well, and then, yeah, whatever. He likes, yeah, he steals the bus, but then he forgets how to drive it. I was, that was super weird. It was like, oh, now that the young people are on the bus, I've forgotten how to drive it, or I can't get it started again. But anyway, no, he um, does pull an awesome trick where he pretends to kill himself, and then he's like, then he turns up in the bus and saves them, and they're like, wait, I thought you shot yourself. He's like, oh no! It turns out if you if you shoot and then you fall down, people think you shot yourself. <laughs> I like that was a, not my first time. <laughs> that was a good one. Also, also he does funny. it. He when he pretends he's getting chomped on and yeah. then shoots. So he's his business is good, but I will say, even in that part where he's trapped by the bear trap, yeah, it doesn't. Something about it lack urgency well that's true and i think i think you know that's actually in my when i when i think back i think that's the true sin of the movie is almost no part of it has urgency i think that's right and it it makes me sad because there's so many of these cool ideas and not only do they drag it's just so weird not only do a lot of these ideas drag because there's not the wait, energy. Wait, 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 wait. I just learned something that's crazy about this movie. What's that? So June Havoc, the 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 actress that uh, plays Aunt Clara, uh-huh. has a more famous sister that you are all no doubt familiar with, uh, Gypsy Rose Lee. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Bizarre. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. Isn't there a character like who was the sister in that in the the, play, in the, the musical yeah. Gypsy, and she has a yeah. sister who was uh, I'm uh, assuming based off of her. Would it be based off her? That's fascinating. Wow. Bizarre. Okay. Well, wow. That that is really fat. That is really interesting. Thank you very much. Um, another thing that we should mention is that I think because I, I don't know why exactly, but there is a vampire in the woods who I believe is a version of the judge, uh, Dugan, uh, who is, who is a more vampire vampire with pointy ears and blue skin, like the Reggie Nalder character in the 1979 Salem's Lot. Uh, I it's don't think it's though. part. I don't think it's a version of the judge. He I is think the it is. judge. What oh, are you yeah. talking about? Well, that's the what judge I'm saying. Turns into him. With you sure? Right. Okay. Yes, yes. Yes. Remember, we saw him. Yeah, he he does turn into him. It's it's very strange though because sometimes he's a straight up puppet, and it's it's odd. It's it's really odd, and, and because well, of the special effects are not very special, but mm-hmm. yes, that's that that's, is the judge. Yeah. Okay. Six okay. times, y'all. I'm just saying. Yeah. Six times. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it my mission to talk a lot out when you're not around, Drew. Uh, my friend who's such an Uber fan of this movie, he's seen it at least six times. And <laughs> just make it like, man, I know this cat. He <laughs> loves he has seen this six times. Oh, that's really it's really bad. How do you do that? Um psh, you don't know Drew and how much he loves this movie. Six <laughs> times. So may I tell you that again? And you so that you're known as like the world's biggest fan of (laughs) i don't even know how i managed it i was doing the math on that earlier and i was like why have i seen this movie so many times 
Well, the what's, biggest what's, fan. We'll just get people to start sending you DVD copies. No, oh my no, God. no, no, yes, from around the world. Them. Are you no. okay? Let's, let me ask you this: Are you going to be happy with the result when I start getting mail of these from people who listen to the podcast? No, who somehow get my address. Are you going to That's be happy bad. with J- Jamie's reaction to that, Tony? Because yeah. of course not. But so it especially because you know Drew's going to send them to you. So it would be interesting. However, it won't stop me from. From me talking about my friend who's the world's biggest Return of Salem Slot fan. Six times and uh, it's going to be six times and counting. You know, there's That's... somebody who listens to this podcast who's probably, this is their favorite movie and they're going to challenge me on that. Uh, I think. I mean, we, I feel if it is, I feel terrible and I'm, I hope that. For them. I, I feel yeah. terrible for them because that means they have not seen any good movies. Oh, that no, is sad. That's not the case. Because, because, Joya. Here's yes. the thing. For years, I remember finding those fan sites about Grease 2, which is a movie that a lot of people feel is is a poorly made film. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because we just turned that off. Like, Wayne's ah, okay. like, uh, nah, this isn't really doing it for me. I'm a, just, I'm a fan of, last night. I like Grease 2. But, so, well, but that's the thing. Think, okay, okay. Yeah. So I would not feel bad. Okay, so if I'm listening to a podcast and everybody's saying this movie's terrible, which a lot of people have said, I'm not going to be offended that they said that because i know it's terrible but i love it anyway so if somebody out there loves it anyway and they know it's terrible that's good on them that's great but if somebody actually thinks it's a good movie i feel bad that they've not seen good movies <laughs> well you could also <laughs> like i would argue i would argue there's some films that let's say let's say i was a hypothetical person like or if i was just drew who loves this movie like no one else <laughs> Oh my god. What have I six done? times and counting? <laughs> so you could you could say like I find it fascinating. I think this is one of the few movies where I find it fascinating that there's this anthropologist who has come like their take is to find a way to share their view of the world. Or, you know, there's you know, hey, we have this cool Nazi killer guy. Like there's there's a bunch of stuff, like we said, that you could Somebody, if somebody truly loved the movie, you could, I could see why you would dig on that because you find the spots that are your highlights or you, it hits you, you know, I was at home and I was sick and I liked this movie and then I watched it six times and counting and then uh, <laughs> I loved it a lot. Um, you like, you could see that. So I, I don't think it's, hey, you should see, I mean, maybe you should see some better movies, but I don't think that's the exact reason. I think that plus good. I, I would get it. So yeah. subjective. That's true. Yeah, but I, I just, I find it again. I'm going to go back that even each action set piece even lacks urgency, and I think yeah, that is what, <clears throat> that's what's tough. And it's weird because even in, in the movie, like the stuff where the villain is this an inanimate object that you have to drink for it to affect you yes. or eat or whatever. Like that still has a lot of tension in it. Yeah. It's, it's taut and it's, gets, you know, it gets under your skin, like the stuff. Yeah. And here everything just kind of, Oh no, the, he's upstairs or he, Oh wait, he's downstairs and he's yelling. And the, you have characters kind of staring at, at the camera or to the side of the camera because they're you know professional, so they don't look directly at it. But you've got all this stuff where people keep doing these things where they're just kind of in a, huh, I guess time for a scene. Yeah. And it's it's weird because we know what, what it could be. Yeah. Um, and there's practical effects, but they're kind of not we could we could see less of them if they'd spent more money 
it would be fine if there were less of them, but that's where we're at. So, and I mean, that's a remember, shame too. I think that's an extremely good analysis of of what's going on here. I, I was thinking about other low budget pictures that did it. like think about um, it came from within, uh, also known as Shivers, mm-hmm. which takes place entirely in an apartment building. It's a lot like the stuff. It takes mm-hmm. place entirely in an apartment building and has extremely few special effects, and yet that is a tense, tense, tense movie. Uh, and and here, I don't know. I, but and and really, the problem is many, many, many ideas, but many, many sins, like you're talking about, where all these different things they don't get time. There's no urgency, and we just keep piling on. So it has that tendency to sort of just uh, wipe you out. I wanted to mention man, something I else. Oh, go ahead. Go through it and just looking like Q. This is a man who wasn't supposed to fire. You know, they had machine guns in places they weren't supposed to have machine guns, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, he's done Hell Up in Harlem, It's Alive, just yeah. Maniac Cop. And it's so, there's so much stuff that I dig. And then there's this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, I, I guess that's really what I hit upon is something just did not, for whatever reason, did not come together on this, it feels like. Oh, and bear, there but for the grace of God go I. I mean, I sure. whenever I watch a movie like this, I always think, you know, is this... Is this what I would do if I if everything went wrong? You know, oh, I'm scared as hell that anything I create. That's why, again, why I try to find the good in things. Yeah, I'm deathly afraid that anything I level at, any criticism I level at a thing, to especially to this level, people are going to throw back at me karmically and review wise. Yeah. So I, I, I'm that that is one of my biggest. Oh sh- crap! You yeah. know what if I think about that? What all if the that time. becomes me? Oh damn it! I wouldn't want people saying these same things. Well, it's an okay comic, but man, it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. That's, no, it's it's something to think about. Uh, it, I've certainly had comments like that because different people can see different things in your work and feel like you know, like you really let them down. And and uh, I've definitely had to deal with stuff like that. Um, that's why writers should stay off of Goodreads, honestly. <laughs> but. But uh, uh, yeah, so with that in mind, oh, I just wanted to mention the plot here, weirdly enough, gets used again just a couple of years later in Children of the Corn 2, which is literally about a journalist who goes to Children of the Corn Town to do a story with his son. Isn't that wild? I, I, in other words, it's such a great plot. That they that they did this again. I remember that one actually being a much more well made film than this. I'm sure it's not great, but you know, I remember it like holding together. So you know, there you go. Well, um, we can only hope that in each at each on the way there that they play Salisbury Hill. We could, <laughs> if only we could get that to happen in each dad and son moment. That would be fantastic. Perfect. All right, I, I think we've beaten this poor film to death. Uh, we should we should go ahead. Although as we get to the end, it does it is fairly cathartic when they're you know throwing fire onto coffins and pulling them out and oh, telling yeah. the vampires, you know what, we're gonna burn everything the hell down. Um, and when the sunlight comes up, it's gonna be truly uh, just the apocalypse for you and your kind. Isn't that wild? And and, and that's that should give one pause, right? That's the, their cult is gonna die. Our cult is gonna win. Uh, that there's something kind of uh scary about that that is very odd so i don't know that's that's a lot to think about what's what's Um, interesting though is you get a similar thing like i said in phantasm 3 except it has become where they're just a step behind the cult each time and have to clean up 
Yeah, that's true. Which is also interesting and, you know, build stuff, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get our final thoughts and then endorsements and, and see what, what people have to share with us that actually made them, made them you know, not bored. The, uh, okay. Uh, I was the first one. So, look, so many cool ideas here. I completely have no idea what happened. I, I have a feeling that if Cohen, that if you could talk to him, he would go, boy, I tell you, uh, every single thing that you can imagine could go wrong, went wrong there. You know, and and because uh, I, I would complete I would completely understand that. Uh, so that, but those are, those are my only thoughts. I'm glad we watched it because as a completist, I, I totally wanted to see everything with Salem's lot in the name. So, so mm-hmm. there we go. Uh, Julia, what about you? Um, well, I think I've said what I really feel about this movie. It's yeah. definitely, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, like I say, they could have cut the first two locations and then done just a way more with the characters and um, sped along more. Everything would have been much better. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. It just, it dragged somehow and it also was too busy. I don't know how that can do both things at the same time. But yeah, not 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 a movie I would revisit for sure. All right. Drew, what about you? You know, I, I feel kind of bad that this is the first Larry Cohen movie that we've done. At least it's the one, first one I remember us doing because right. I really, really like quite a few of the movies that he did. And, and <coughs> I am so sorry. Um, uh, I think, you know, all of his movies are low budget, but they usually have something satirical and interesting about it. And this movie strives to that. It just doesn't quite congeal the way together. There's obviously, you know, for all the, the ribbing that Tony's giving me, there is obviously something that I do enjoy about it on some level, even though I don't think it's very good because I've seen it six times. You know, there's movies I've seen more yeah. to be sure. There's I've seen Ghostbusters probably upwards of a few hundred times. Um, so like that six is really a drop in the bucket, but I it's, it's a lot by most people's standards, especially for a movie that I allegedly don't really like. Uh, unfortunately this conversation has not shed any light as into why I keep rewatching it. So I, I I'm coming away just as perplexed. I, I was actually kind of hoping that maybe I would go, man, why have I seen this movie so many times? And yet here we are. Um, so I don't know. Uh, if you are debating watching this movie, I say watch the stuff instead though. Hmm. Yeah. Or Q. Q would work. Q, yes. Q is very good. Q, Q is so cool. Uh, isn't Michael Moriarty the one who like has the yes. sort of rat, the rat's nest uh, location in the, uh, in the belfry of that, that building? Yes. Michael yeah. Moriarty. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, Tony, final thoughts. Well, it's hard to follow mega fan Drew Edwards, but uh, I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, I find it frustrating. Again, I'm totally with Drew. There's a lot of Larry Cohen stuff. And there's a good documentary on him as well. Um, King Cohen, uh, which I think you should watch. Um, Good tip, good tip. It's it's cool, man. Like, uh, he's, I dig his stuff. Um, But, the, again i think it goes back I, I i talking it out that's what it feels it just feels there's not a lot of tension yeah in the way that you normally expect tension in a horror movie and i think that's probably its biggest sin i love the uh you know pseudo ben helsing character we get and you know 
I would watch a whole, I would watch more movies like that um, or a reworking where he had a bigger part. Um, it's definitely not a movie I'll be watching six going on more times. <laughs> Sorry, I just, that's a dead horse. It's already, that's gone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I like that we were completionists on this. Um, but I doubt I would revisit this movie cool. unless I were to watch just the, uh, probably the last act, um, it has some, has some good bits in it. Um, well then that's, then those are our, our final thoughts on a return to Salem's lot. Someday somebody's going to remake this movie and take all of the ideas that Cohen had. No, they're and, not. Well, <laughs> but, the thing that's going to happen. That you could, you could remake this movie. And take all these ideas and somehow with some extra time and extra care, just maybe turn it into something really wild. No, no, um, no. The idea would be you see you the difference is you're saying you take all these ideas, just take two of them. Right. <laughs> maybe you're right. <laughs> That's maybe, the thing. Maybe, yeah. Take two of them and make that either not as tense and an interesting we're we're seeing through the eyes of this is what a, a vampire cult actually is or not. Yeah. You know, you could have um some kind of midsummer kind of thing. Yeah. Or a lot of people have liked this it, movie to midsummer. Yeah. Or you could make it so that it's what it's like to be trapped by this and it's like uh one of the it's it's basically Harker's section of Dracula, but he's given a town instead of a room or two, a castle. Yeah. But yeah, don't I don't think you you still don't need to take all of them. Maybe you're right. But either way, you should see King Cohen. All right. That's, uh, that's, and that's that is, where that, that at least I will feel a little bit better about giving credit where credit's due. Then in, in that case, it's time to turn to endorsements. Whatever we've been listening to or watching. Uh, Tony, you already endorsed King Cohen, but I know that that's not your actual endorsement. Let's start with you. Uh, and, and we'll just, uh, I've, I've mixed up the orders, but uh, Tony, then Drew, then Julia, then I'll go. Tony, uh, what do you have to endorse for us? I mean, I'm still watching the Shop Factory Super Deluxe, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. So that's that's still in my Blu-ray player. <laughs> that's one of my all-time favorite movies. There's so many good. Did I endorse that last time? No, no, oh. not at all. Oh, okay. Well, then that is amazing. Uh, I mm. bought the one with the steel book and uh, and a 45 and it's got this cool package with the pork chop express on it and oh, it's so cool um it has an isolated score so if you're like a weirdo like myself you can turn on you know just turn that on and watch movies i think i did endorse this i can't believe that i didn't it just seems familiar oh well anyway i'm still watching that also um for a good cause i'm gonna post this on if everybody will bear with me um there's a horror podcast or horror scene uh, woman who's going through some pretty intense medical problems um, here in Austin, uh, Patience uh, Robinson Campos, and they're doing a fundraiser for her because it's pretty bad. And I, I know that it's the holidays, it's really tough for people and a lot of people have problems, but I always think of this as I would want people to do the same thing for me if I was in trouble. So I'll probably post her silent auction on our site All right. uh, later because um, I don't know her. I think I've seen her around, but She's in the same scene and she's here in Austin. And, um, you know, anytime there's somebody in need, um, I don't know if people can help, then cool. If not, then maybe spread the word. So uh, I, I know I would want people to do the same for me, whether they knew me or not, if possible. So wonderful. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, Julia, what do you have for us? Oh, gosh. I, um, I really, really, really enjoyed the Mr. Rogers movie, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, such a great 
feel well i'm not even gonna say feel good movie because there's a lot of sadness in it but it is an uplifting heartwarming film that um we really need right now to just feel you know see somebody who's that loving and compassionate and present i think that main thing i noticed about it in this film is that um as he's played and as he's been as i've heard him portrayed and everything uh he was just really present with people and i think that's a really neat lesson right now to, to and always uh is to be present with the people that you're with and just really you know connect with them and and, and make sure that they feel heard and that you know you are um you're just uh it's like the, the whole namaste thing you know the goodness in you is seeing the goodness in them um the other one is i'm really enjoying the crown it's just i think I'm, i may have endorsed it last week or whenever but um but it's just such a fun <laughs> such a fun series it's just really really interesting i don't know how much of it is um dramatic license and how much of it is really how things were but it's really an interesting family and there was one in particular that's a story i hadn't even i don't remember hearing well i guess it happened before when it was in the 60s so I before i was born but i remember hearing about it about this awful tragedy that happened with all these school children that were buried in um in an, a coal mining avalanche accident, accident avalanche thing. Uh, so the school was buried and it was just awful. Anyway, it's just been really interesting. Like you just keep looking up those bits in history going, what did that really happen? What was that? You know? Um, so those are the two things that I've just been enjoying these last few days. That's fantastic. Um, Drew, did you, uh, did you have anything to endorse for us? Well, it feels a little absurd to endorse a movie that just made 70 million dollars worldwide but um i saw knives out uh, over the weekend and that is definitely the my second favorite movie i've seen in the theaters this year just it's a really really, really well put together great cast um good updating of the the agatha christie uh formula and actually a lot of uh awesome contemporary social commentary as well huh. um i i just i i adored it like i i just very 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 well done hats off to to ryan johnson and uh daniel craig um i kind of hope that they that you know they've talked about doing more movies with his detective character totally would watch that even though i'm a little a little creeped out that he sounds almost exactly like my father in that movie uh i i i did not point that out jamie pointed that out to me and that's all i could hear the rest of the film wow that's amazing that he sounds like he sounds identical to my dad um but nonetheless an entertaining uh, new conception of the the gentleman detective as well so um if you're like Agatha Christie and Sherlock Holmes and that kind of thing, this will definitely be up your alley. Um, I feel like I couldn't really say much more without taking away some of the twisty turniness of the movie, of which there is a lot. Um, but again, second of all the movies I saw in the theater this year, easily my second favorite. Yeah, I mean, I got to see it at Fantastic Fest, and I think I've mentioned it a couple times here, but... Uh... A, Ryan Johnson's a really nice dude. He also uh, recorded a whole theater full of people um, at the last Buttonumathon. And I, I think our crowd sounds are somewhere in the uh, the casino planet um, in his movie. But uh, really nice dude. And really, it's a really good, everything is just razor, just pull tight. Um, 
And I'm so happy after, you know, telling so many people about it at Fantastic Fest that finally people are getting to see it and it's doing really well. Because if you enjoy murder mysteries at all, this is this this should be your jam. Um, I, I've even, I, I, even I, skeptical friends of mine who are ah, this new ah, came out going, okay. Yeah, this was really, really good. No way would I be I, skeptical. I, I, I totally believe you. I said, yeah, but it. you know, yeah. that's the people. People be haters. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have to. I, I, I also want to point that I have to become really, really, really successful now because I want to buy the house they use in that movie because it's Ooh. my dream house. It is really good. Wonderful. Uh, my endorsements. There are a couple of things that I saw this week that that I thought were pretty cool. I caught Mary on DVD. This is the one with uh, Emily Mortimer and Gary Oldman, where he uh, decides to buy a, a a boat for you know just uh, as a pleasure cruiser for for tourists and so forth. But uh, because the boat has gone up on auction and uh, it has you know its last crew has disappeared, and in fact every crew that has ever been on this boat have all disappeared, and so. He gets the boat cheaply and they fix it up and he takes the family on a cruise through the Bermuda Triangle. It's actually as crazy as that is. Uh, it, it's it's exactly what it sounds like. It's it's tense. It's supernatural in the end. I liked it a lot. And I also really liked Antrim even more. It's called Antrim, the Deadliest Film Ever Made. And it is a movie within a movie. It starts out with a documentary where you see a bunch of talking heads going, Antrim? was made back in 1979 and it was shown only like two times and both times you know like once the theater burnt down or another time a big riot started and everybody died so it's a film with a curse and it's been put away but now these new brave souls have dusted it off and are issuing the film so you take it under advisement that the film kills people and then you watch the movie. The movie itself appears to be a film made in 1979 about a brother and sister who go into the woods to do some rituals that she's told her brother will help him get over her his grief about their dead dog. You know, so it's this kind of, it has a sort of a gee whiz, except for weird feel to it until they start running into scary people in the woods including like you know some strange eastern european gangsters you know who might also be cannibals and you know some just random other people so this is before gets... or after blair witch project this is a brand new movie okay. but it appears to be a movie made in 1979. It's grainy. Right. But it's everything. like an homage to, for the Blair Witch yes. Project, basically. Yeah, yeah in, a, in a sense. Uh, except for that they don't know. In Blair Witch Project, the team went out there deliberately looking for evidence about the legendary witch. And in this case, they're just people going out to do a ritual. They don't know that they're going to run into Satanists. But they do. Oh. Uh, yeah. Speaking of movies that have a certain feel like that, where you you know it feels like the seventies, we yeah. we have to cover. Um, I know I tagged you. <laughs> we have to cover In Fabric when it comes out. Yes, yes. It is such a spot on. It's giallo, not you know nudge wink. Um, it's it's pretty fantastic in all the ways. If nothing else, you and I will have to cover it because <laughs> it's it's exactly. Like seeing that it's coming out finally and everything is really cool. Also, thanks again, Drew, for turning me on to the Trick or Treat soundtrack remasters. My and now, pleasure. And now that company, Rock Candy, holy crap, they speak my language. Um, I think I've spent too much money on CDs that are their remasters and their uh, booklets and liner notes. Um, holy moly, Drew. 
it, you've created a monster. Um, I saw so many, saw so many bands. There's so much music there that I must buy now. Um, that these these first these three fastway CDs are really fantastic, and the trick or treat has never sound better. Um, although liner notes have things like the fact that their singer, who's now the singer of Flogging Molly, doesn't he, he just quit wanting to do hard rock like Fastway. And that makes me sad because he's one of my favorite hard rock vocalists. Um, and that's why I love, part of why I love Trick or Treat so much is that soundtrack. So, Tony, when, uh, when is your new EP coming? Uh, I think we're targeting the digital release for December 19th and I have to line up um, how to ship CDs and do all of that. So Bandcamp, December 19th, that's a tentative date. We may push it either back. If we do anything, it'll come out earlier than that. But currently it's set up for December 19th. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll, we'll be sure and make a note of it. So <clears throat> I've been listening. It's actually it's actually really enjoyable. I really am really awesome so far. So, uh, okay. So, you know what? I, I'm not sure that I would necessarily want to watch A Return to Sin was a lot by myself, but I know I definitely enjoyed watching it and discussing it with friends. So maybe that's the point of the art. You know, maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. I very much enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I totally want to hear from the listeners uh, on the page and see, did we miss some way of decoding this film that makes it suddenly align correctly and be brilliant? totally interested in hearing about that i'm also interested in checking out the documentary king uh king Cone. so uh everybody have a wonderful week we'll continue the conversation online be excellent to one another thank you so much for being there i'm so thankful bye guys good night, Good night. Good night. as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast that's indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.